When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wait a minute, this sounds like rock and or roll. Hello, welcome to Rock and Door Roll. I'm your reluctant host, BJ, and with me today, I have Chris Gray. Hey, Chris. What's up, BJ? And you have a record store in Chicago. Is it in Chicago or outside of Chicago? It is in lovely Villa Park, Illinois, about 20 miles west of Chicago. And it's called Cheap Kiss Records, which um, I don't know if you know, but pretty much my two favorite bands are Cheap Trick and Kiss, so I like your, <laughs> I like the name of your record store. And that's exactly how we came to the name. I noticed on your logo, you've got the the kiss lettering as well as do we. Uh, my partner yeah. and I, about seven years ago, uh, when we started the company, uh, we realized that we had both been to the same kiss show um, on the Dynasty tour, which long before we ever knew each other. So, their uh, Cheap Trick is one of our favorite bands, as is Kiss, and we had actually bought an existing business called Platterpus Records, and the name always bugged the heck out of me. And when we decided to move our location, we decided to change the name, and Cheap Kiss was the next logical progression. Yeah. And I I noticed uh, you sent me your Record Store Day um, flyer, and you used the Kiss font, and then you used the Woke Up With A Monster font, I think, for the Cheap Trick part, right? Is that what... You had the che- the cheap was the kiss font, and then the Correct. kiss was woke up with a monster. Is that what exactly it was? Exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we just flipped it around. Yeah, yeah. we didn't want Gene Simmons to come after us. We figured right. for sure if we used the uh, the kiss logo, uh, we would be in uh, some sort of defama- defamation of character lawsuit with Gene Simmons. Yeah, I had the idea for my logo, um, uh, but my wife actually she's the uh, Photoshop pro, so she she made it for me, but I knew I wanted to use, obviously, and or doing the ACDC was obvious. Makes um, sense. I like then, the Def Leppard in the role. And then the Def Leppard, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and I like the color scheme, the uh, red, orange, yellow color scheme and everything. It worked out pretty good. Um, which, but, you know, uh, I was kind of worried that it would kind of pigeonhole the podcast because that's all f- from a certain genre, really, and that isn't. I didn't want to get pigeonholed into just just talking about hard rock and metal, even though that's pretty much my favorite. Well, I don't know. I, I mean, I have a lot of favorites, but uh, your podcast actually came to my attention just because I did a search of AOR. Yeah, and, I was going to bring that up. That is the yeah. that's the best possible way anyone could find my podcast that I could imagine <laughs> is searching AOR on iTunes. Um, yeah, it's crazy. There really isn't much there, and I had done that probably about six months ago or maybe a year ago, and nothing really came up. So it must have been before you started. So maybe it was longer ago than that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but immediately when I when I saw your logo, I'm like, this looks good. And when I scrolled <laughs> out through the episodes, I saw. AOR, AOK. I'm like, dude, this is my guy right here. And <laughs> yes. from, I've been a fan ever since. It's been a great way to, I spend a lot of time in the car, so it's been a great way to kill a lot of that time. You've turned me on to a lot of great music. And the fun thing about your podcast is 
for me is hearing you start to intro a song and I'll try and guess what it's going to be before you actually play it. So that, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's my own little game that I've made with myself. Yeah, so you found it because you searched AOR, which Correct. Uh, I couldn't love more. And then you emailed me and um, I could tell right away that you were a kindred spirit. I mean, it's hilarious. Uh, it seems like you collect power pop, AOR, and 80s metal, all stuff that I'm completely obsessed with collecting, but how yeah. many people out there even give a shit you know right exactly so, yeah, that's why we could find all those records at the record store still yeah but i mean the the power pop and the aor uh, two of my huge obsessions but you know who do who would i meet that would be into that <laughs> it's, right. not, AOR it's pretty rare a, aor gets a bad rap i think yes time but, well uh, you know i i have gone through phases like like once i had every power pop thing i could i feel felt i could possibly get then I had to move on to something else, <laughs> and right. then I moved on to AOR. And uh, the the you know, recently now, like when I go to a record show, all I do is I walk around looking for the word metal, mm-hmm. because that's the stuff I need now more than anything. Right. Um. It. And that's. It's funny how it used to be that punk was the most expensive stuff, but now metal is the most expensive. Stuff. I will echo that. Yeah, we picked up a great collection about a little over a year ago, about fifteen hundred pieces. And that stuff moves quickly and has good staying power. And as a genre, the fans are still, um, the, the people are still giving a lot of love to the vinyl in that area as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's the stuff that I'm really trying to collect now because I have all the punk stuff. I have all the power pop stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I'm at the point with that kind of stuff where it's just what I don't know about yet, which there's still say, plenty yeah. I don't know about, I'm sure. But uh, right. as far as what I know... Yeah, and th- I mean, there are those records that I don't have that I'll, I don't know if I'll ever have, like the Clovis Roblane story, which costs hundreds of dollars and uh, probably were only hundreds of them made. There's mm-hmm. stuff like that, but th- there those are few and far between as far as power pop and punk and stuff. I pretty much have everything. So, But the metal, there's a lot of stuff I love that I don't have. Um, yeah, and I think the beauty of it too is that there's, we're always going to find other things that are going to pop up that we didn't know even existed. Yeah, you know, especially you know the, we're going to talk about some radio station comp records from the '80s and stuff like that. There are still some independent releases out there that I'm sure haven't found the light of day. Every once in a while, you see one pop up on eBay where they'll say you know first time on eBay or unknown or extremely rare or whatever, and sure enough, it'll be something you've never heard of, and then all of a sudden you can't live without it. Yeah, it used to be with the Power Pop stuff, uh, anything on eBay would go to somebody in Japan for way too right. much money. Um, yep. I don't know if it's still like that. I haven't been as active on eBay as I used to be. but uh, Yeah. As, as, a, as a vinyl shopper, um, will you go through, when you're like going through the alphabetical listing in the rock section or the alternative section or whatever section it is, will you look at the records that have the cards where it actually says the artist's name? So like, will you just, will you look at the Pink Floyds and the Led Zeppelins and the Iron Maidens or will you just only go to the A and look for items that are going to be random because they're going to be one-offs of things that you probably have never seen before. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> like when you go to Toad Hall. Oh, yeah, all uh-huh. I do is I go to the letter. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> yeah, because um, pretty much anything that has the band name card, I have all of that already. Exactly. exactly. So, yeah, that it's always it's photo. always the random... I remember one time I was at a record store in Florida with my my dad. We had gone down there to visit my grandma, and uh, my dad's like, Brian, why do you flip every record over and look at the back, like at the bottom? And I said, it's because I'm looking at the year, because, you know, that's the most important thing. When it's something you don't recognize, 
Uh-huh. <laughs> I was telling you know, it's like there's this window. If it's between like 78 and 82, it's going to be one certain kind of thing. And if it's after like 82, then it's kind of on the fence. Right, <laughs> and the later right. into the 80s it gets, the more likely it's not going to be that good. That's so funny that you mentioned that. I mean, think about it. Yeah, that's how we, I mean, it used to be that's how you bought records based on the yeah. cover. Well, yeah, especially if it's something that looks like Power Pop, the year is going to be the first thing you look at. And then right. you're going to look at the instrumentation. And if you see too many like horns or keyboards, Saxophone. that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's the killer. And also mustaches is always a bad sign. <laughs> <laughs> too much facial hair in the band is usually, if you combine that with horns, then, you know. Right. You know, Never mind. You're, you're done. That's funny. You can be tricked. It's very easy to be tricked into thinking something that's um, something can look northern soul and wind up being country. I've seen that happen on 45s a lot with the labels, um, and then certainly from that, like they could look power pop, but then all of a sudden they're like a light jazz combo. And I've gotten burned a couple times too, where the band looked right, everything looked good. But I didn't look far enough onto the credits to see that there was no vocalist. So it was an instrumental album that was like, oh man, there's even any lyrics on this damn thing. Yeah. So how many records do you have? You, I have about your collection. I have about three thousand. That's nice. That's a good collection. Yeah. How many do you have? My personal collection sits at four, and I. Yeah, I, that's what I remember. That's you yeah, told me that. I, I move stuff in and out. I'm. I'm I've had situations in the past where I've done purges and I've sold stuff and wound up buying some of it back. I yes. definitely have the sickness. <laughs> I mean, there's a metal band called Heavy Load that um, yeah. I you know sold the record back a million years ago when I when I was starting to get into alternative rock. And I was like, I'll never need that again. And then I literally remember, and of course I recorded it and I had a copy of it, but I literally remember laying in bed one night thinking, I got to find that record again. I need to have that record again. Yeah, so I, I still have, have it, there's the, there's, a couple different kinds of regrets there's the records you had and you got rid of (laughs) right there's the records you still remember seeing at the store and not buying yep i mean i still have you know specific memories of certain things that i either didn't buy or Mm -hmm. had and got rid of well yeah i I started real my brother has started getting into collecting records too in recent years and i i realized how much i've taken for granted what i have like i've had every iron maiden record since i was in like high school Right. And and I just took it for, you know, I have, like, I just have every single Mott the Hoopa record sitting there or every David Bowie. It's not, you know, I just have taken all of that stuff for granted because back in the late 80s and the 90s, it was simple to collect that stuff. But how old are you, Brian? I'm 41. Okay, so I'm 48. So, I mean, if you think about it, for you to a certain extent, for me to a complete extent, if you wanted to have access to something and be able to listen to it whenever you wanted it you had to absolutely own it yeah so there was no like oh you know today a kid has uh the choice i can i can want to own the new white stripes record because it's cool i I don't want the vinyl and i want the cover but if i want to listen to that song all i have to do is go on youtube go on spotify go on whatever it is so you know out of necessity we became i think we became collectors because we wanted to have access to the music of course, there is still that collector gene that takes it to the next level of, of um, being obsessive about it, but it really was just a, a result of wanting to be able to listen to what we wanted to listen to when we wanted to listen to it and know that we had the entire Mount Hoop catalog. So if you heard somebody mention a song from a particular record, you'd be able to have it, find it, be able to listen to it whenever you wanted to. Well, yeah, and there's there's nothing like... I mean, there's just the uh, the feeling of filing it. Yeah, <laughs> you have that open space there, right. and then you get that record and you put it in that space, <laughs> and it's like 
there I guess there's an element of like Tetris to, to it sometimes. <laughs> you know? Something that kids will never understand. Yeah. Their 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 MP3 file does not have a Tetris feel to it. In my particularly melancholy moods, I'll figure out how much better off I would be financially if I just never would have gotten into records and, and the amount of time that I spent making mixtapes and mix CDs would have actually been spent doing something that would generate some sort of a revenue. Yeah, those aren't productive thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if you talk about mixtapes. <laughs> I know, right? Exactly, yeah. Because all my tapes now are just in boxes in the garage, which and I spent way too much time on those. Well, if you're anything like me, though, you could pull one of those out and you'd be able to sing along with just about every word to it and you'd know what song is going to come next. Yeah. Just because, I mean, again, you know, radio in Chicago was always fine. It had, you know, MET, WLUP, WXRT. Those are all good stations. But ultimately, I always wanted to be in control of my musical destiny. And, you know, I would much rather listen to a mix that I put together than something somebody else did. I've had zero interest in the radio since I was in, like, high school, you know, like, when you had a car that didn't have a tape player right, <laughs> like, right. That's, as that soon it. as there was a tape player in the car then fuck the radio i mean exactly. you know exactly the radio and is now... just an insult to anyone who appreciates <laughs> music beyond just you know the surf the very surface level it's just an insult really well that's it, the thing there are people that like music to be you know like music enough to have it on in their house or when they're doing something else and there are people that like music enough to where listening to music is the actual activity itself and that's when i think vinyl fans can relate to you're looking at the record cover you're checking the liner notes you're you're enveloping yourself in the experience versus just having an mp3 playing while you're surfing the web or while you're doing your homework or while you're doing work or whatever yeah oh, and i don't know if you're the same way but for me i am totally fine if a record only has one good song um, I, but I want to find all those songs, you know, I have plenty of records where maybe I only like one or two songs, mm -hmm. but that's enough for me. Well, think about that though, and how it relates to the radio station comp. So, right. I mean, what I love about a radio station comp is the fact that it's a mixed bag, right? You never know exactly what you're going to get, but because most of these, I, I put the dates down for all these, they're really between like 1980 and 88 was the latest one, but really they're mostly between 80 and 83. Yeah. Um, you know you're going to get like a couple of hard rock songs. You know you're going to get a couple of like sort of new wavy kind of songs. You know you're going to get maybe one sort of slower country kind of ballad. Um, but that's what's cool about it. You know, it's mostly stuff that nobody's ever heard before. They never got major label deals. So it's it's really more of, of an exclusive club. And that's kind of what I think we all tend to sort of gravitate towards is knowing about something that maybe that not everybody else knows about. Yeah, so um, what we're going to focus on today on this episode is your collection of radio station compilations. And okay. what these are, are especially in, I guess, the early 80s, radio, local radio stations around the country would put together a compilation of local bands, usually like one song by each band. These would be released regionally, maybe a few thousand, I don't know, printed up and just sold in that radio market, probably. And... um. Most of the bands never even went on to even have an album. Um, right. But for people like us, you never know. There, there's Even if there's that one great song on that record, it's worth having. And um, this is something I've always thought about collecting and buy them if I see them, but I don't have very many. And you have, what, you have like 100 of them, right? Yeah, I think over 100 now. Yeah, wow. I definitely want to. Uh, that's definitely an aspiration I now have <laughs> is to do the same thing. But uh, 
great. I need another completist to compete against uh, now. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. I think it's pretty hopeless at this point for me. But uh... but you're right, though. These were basically unsigned bands. A lot of the records were more like a battle of the bands where a bunch of bands would submit their tapes. The DJs at the radio station would go through and pick their favorites, and they would wind up on the record. Um, obviously, sometimes, you know, Twisted Sisters wound up on these comps. Uh, there are other bands like Clocks that have gotten major label deals off of these types of comps. Um, but the Romantics were on one of them as well. But ultimately, there's a ton of stuff that's really, really good uh, that just never got released. Yeah, there was one in New York that had Twisted Sister and Bon Jovi on it. Exactly right, um, yeah. Yeah, I have played one song from one of these uh, earlier. I guess it must have been Vinyl Countdown Part 2. I played the Winger song, Wizard of the Key, from the, uh, yeah. the Denver, Colorado, the K-A-Z-Y yep. um, compilation. And so that was... <laughs> That was Kip Winger and his brother, at least two of his brothers, I think. Um, but isn't it was called one, Winger. Right, and it but was isn't Kip that the one where he introduces him and he says, Kip's going to sing this one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kip and his brother, I think. And I think Kip was only like 18 years old or something at the time. That's hysterical. Um, and that record is all live, I think. It was a, it yep. was a concert they put on. And um, there's really nothing else good on that album. The Winger song isn't even that great, but it's just an interesting little piece of history. So that kind of brings up an interesting point, though. With a compilation record like this, one of the things I like about them is you're almost setting the bar a little bit lower, right? So it's not a major label release. You expect there to be some um, differences in the recording qualities and things like that. So you, you're, you're immediately your bar is set a little bit lower. Then you start going through, and as we had said before, you're going to find a couple of hard rock tracks, usually a couple of new wavy kind of tracks. So you can really kind of weave your way through it. And know that no matter how good or bad the, the first song you listen to is, the next one has every intention or every possibility of being great or complete crap. Right. Because there's a lot, not a lot of cohesiveness on these. There's a couple of them that are mostly all hard rock. But for the most part, you're going to get a nice uh, a variance of different styles. So that's, that's what I like about it, too. From that treasure hunting aspect, you never know what you're going to get. And ultimately, as we were kind of putting this together, one of the things that I kind of had a little bit of fun with was as I was going through these, trying to pick out which one of your episodes it would fit on. Whether, it would fit on, whether a particular song would fit on the AOR episode, the Power Pop episode, the Glam episode. So right. maybe you, can, you can chime in on that as well as you go through them. Yeah, yeah. I have thoughts on, on most of these of, of what kind of, you know, if it's Power Pop, Hard Rock. Seems like that's what most of them are. Some of them New Wavy, some of them AOR. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I know a lot of people get annoyed by trying to categorize stuff like that, but I like it. And uh, for people like us, I'm sure we pretty much, if you play us a song, I think we'd probably pretty much usually be on the same page. It's, well, it's kind of power pop, but the keyboards, you know, uh, but I think that's fun. And I don't have a problem with categorizing stuff like that. I don't think it's limiting or anything like that. Um, Was it, go ahead. I just, I, I, I know a lot of people don't like that, um, but I've never had a problem with it. And clearly, um, clear, well, clearly, there's a ton of crossover. Sorry, but there's a ton yeah, of crossover yeah. between power pop and AOR, and yeah. sometimes it can be both. Um, what I found, I think it was CMJ Magazine that back in the day used to put RIYL, recommended if you like, and then they would put a couple other bands that would be kind of similar. Right. And I'll lean more towards that, and I came up with that on most of these just to cut from the concept of this is kind of what I hear in this, and I think you know that if you listen to this and you like um, you know, the Elvis Brothers and the Shoes, you're going to like this. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the first one on my list is a song called You'll Know It's True by The Push. Okay. And this is from 
96 Home Cooking 3, uh, put up by WKLS Rock Station out of Atlanta. And the guy, Glenn Howard, who must be the, I don't know if this was a band or just his vehicle, but um, he was in a prog band called Polyphony that had a record in 71. Okay. Um, called The 11th Hour, which it's, the album's on YouTube and it doesn't sound very good. This is a really good song, though. It's, uh, it's I wrote it's Power Pop slash New Wave. Yep. Um. So I said, recommend it if you like the Buggles for the intro. It has a very Buggles feel to me. And then there's a band called Harlequin that's more of an AOR band. Yeah, Canadian um, band. Yeah, exactly. And I think I kind of hear a little bit of that in it as well. So the so yeah, the push, you'll know it's true. Really good song. And then uh, the next song on my list is a band called The Numbers. Uh, I Want to Be With You. This is uh, 94 WISP out of Philadelphia put out. Uh, what What is this comp called that this is from? Rock Hits from Philly. Okay, Rock Hits from Philly. And what year is that one? Uh, that is 1983. Okay. And this is part of the Miller High Life Rock to Riches series. So, again, I think what they did at some point, I think Miller High Life 
gave money to the local radio stations to be the sponsor. The DJs picked out the songs. And it was almost like a franchise, the Rock to Riches. So there were a number of different stations that had that same slogan, that same um, things on the cover sometimes, too. So they were able to capitalize on that and get a little bit of name recognition for it. So I want to be with you by the numbers, the Philly band. Um, and I kind of thought that they were kind of like this one's to me is very new wavy. Yeah, um, this I is. I thought this sounded kind of like the Thompson Twins or Aha or ABC. Yeah, I wrote down it's a pretty good new wave song with sax, and then I wrote kind of plotting. <laughs> <laughs> plotting, yeah. plotting is not a good word to describe a song. No, necessarily. not necessarily. So keep in mind when you had asked me to kind of do this with you, I kind of randomly went through and I was just created a playlist of all the different comp stuff. And I was listening to it in my car and I was writing things down. And I was taking notes and um, just kind of came up with 20 that I thought was kind of a good cross section. These aren't necessarily the best 20 songs you'll ever hear on a radio comp, but ultimately if it'll inspire somebody to go out and, and check some of this stuff out, I think it'd be a good thing. Yeah, no, and this is all really good stuff. No, I love this. Um, I love this idea for the for an episode, and um, I love this kind of music. Um, I love everything about this stuff. So <laughs> I don't know how many other people out there are going to care. <laughs> I could hear people hitting delete as we speak. <laughs> yeah, but uh, this is right up my alley. So uh, the concept of doing an episode devoted to these radio station comps, um, I just love it. This is exactly what I wanted to do with the podcast. And right. I guess... Uh, I've always known that the podcast was going to be for a limited fan base. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, let's see. The next one on my list, it's a band called Boot Camp. Um, yeah. It's just another day. This is on 98 Rock Album out of Baltimore. And in researching about this band, uh, they had two videos played on the first day of MTV, which they made specifically for MTV, I guess, when MTV was starting out. Um, and there's also an album on CD, baby, that has both of the songs that video. There were videos played on MTV. It sounds like they were only played on the first day of MTV, and then <laughs> never again, probably. But um, the uh, the stuff on CD, baby, is very new wavy. But this song, it's just another day, uh, is really good AOR, uh, in sure. my opinion, a lot better than the stuff I was listening to on CD, baby. Um, this is a really good song. I like it a lot. Yeah, and this is this is a great example of 
the covers of these records too. So more often than not, I think the covers really sell the record. This one's got a uh, very, very thin, very Twiggy-esque model spray painting 98 Rock on a fence uh, in front of a Porsche with a 98 Rock bumper sticker on it. So, I mean, how can you not want to buy this record? Yeah. Yeah, so this one was from 84. Um, there's a band called Jonah Coslin and the Aces. Are you familiar with them? No. Uh, so you will love them. I will be sure to turn you on to them. Um, but this kind of reminded me of that type of a band. And I did a little bit of research. This record is available on Music Stack for $14.98. So um, I started out with uh, a compilation called New Jersey Rock 3. This is from WDHA 105.5 FM, and the song was um, We Rule the Night by a band called Razor Sharp.
Yeah, this is a hard rock metal song I wrote down. And, exactly. Um, yeah, this was what? Did you? Yeah, 95.5 WDHA. And I researched about these guys. They ended up moving to L.A. in the late 80s and tried to make it on the on the Sunset Strip scene. And they, they changed their name to Crash Street. I thought it had kind of a Saxon, Scorpions, Twisted Sister vibe. Right, yeah. I I think it's more on the hard rock end than the metal end, if I remember mm-hmm. right. But um, probably one of the more metal-sounding songs of the stuff that you chose. Exactly. Yeah. And obviously, Razor Sharp. <laughs> Sounds like a metal band, too. It sure does. And, and we, we Rule the Night. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's, everything <laughs> screams metal about this one. But it's For not sure. as heavy as you might think. And okay. I'm sure there were probably 50 bands called Razor Sharp. But this yeah, is the one from an, New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, some with an E at the end of Sharp. Razor, R-A-Z-E-R yeah. with an umlaut over the E. Yeah. Yeah. Next up, uh, let's go to Chicago for the Loop WLUP sampler, uh, Chicago Rocks Volume 1. This can be found regionally here just about everywhere. Um, but this whole record really, really holds up. The band that I chose is called The Odd and a song called Lean To. Um, from 1980, uh, got a very, very Joe Jackson, Elvis Costello vibe to me.
Yeah, this is one that I actually also own. You picked 20 songs and I picked five because <laughs> in uh, in accordance with our our the the size of our collections, I thought. <laughs> that makes sense. But yeah, and two of the five songs that I picked are from this record, um, Chicago Rocks. And uh, one of them, um, the band's called Dreamer. The song's called Radio. Uh, this song is amazing. Um, in my opinion, uh, just as good as almost anything else out there from the time period. I agree. Um, unfortunately, I don't think these guys ever had an album or anything, but but Radio by Dreamer, what a great song. The other one you picked from this record uh it only takes a minute by lois lane i like yeah. that one a lot too a new wavy uh i don't know that one you could call aor power pop you could probably call it all of them <laughs> agreed yeah but that's a really good one too that is so that's a that's a quality record um the chicago rocks album and, and saturday night the actually the first song on that song is on side one is really good too so i mean if, if you're into this stuff at all if you like what you hear pick up that record you can't go wrong with that one Something new in my life, in my life. 
Next we go to WEBN, album project number seven. Uh, this came out in 1982. Um, and the song is I Need You by a band called The Twist. Yeah, this one I wrote down hard rock slash power pop. <laughs> so that's kind yeah. of the theme of this episode, I think. <laughs> well, yeah, we might be getting a little bit derivative. Again, because we're spe- speaking from a time period, usually between 1980 and 1983, uh, I had that it sounded kind of like uh, Frankie and the Knockouts meets Jack Mack and the Heart Attack a little bit. Um, yeah, up-tempo, power pop-ish, um, with some a some little bit heavier guitars in there. Yeah, and it, it's it's hard to know for sure what a band like this would have done if they had a record deal and went into a studio with a producer and um, they might have gone in one direction or the other as far as the AOR or the power pop thing. But yeah, it's fun. It's good stuff. And Which WEBN, that was from what city? WEBN, Cincinnati. <laughs> Yeah, and the song from uh, WEBN Album Project 6 from 81 uh, is this band called Heroes, Chances. Um, and I wrote down it's Poppy AOR.
And this is another one where do you have the album uh, Border Raiders by Heroes? Yes, exactly right. That's exactly what I was going to bring up. I love that record. So do I, but it's not the same band. No, it's not the same band. And there's another band called Heroes, I think a Canadian, like yep. late 80s, uh, just pop, not very good. Yeah, I thought that it sounded kind of like a mix between the producers or the Hawks. Um, right. Very up-tempo, very good. Uh, available now currently on eBay for five bucks, so if you like that, go grab it. The WEBN one is? Yep. The Album Project 6? Okay. Yep. Uh, next, I have uh, WAVA FM 105 from Washington. Uh, the comp is called Washington Rocks, and the song is called In the Middle of the Night uh, by a band called August. Yeah, this it, is a D.C. Baltimore area um, comp. Right, from 1982. Yeah, and this is a really good AOR song. I think it sounds kind of like uh, there's a band called Prism or RPM. I think it kind of falls in that category. But quite honestly, to me, this sounds so much like Foreigner. If you put Lou Graham vocals on this, this should have been a hit for them. Um, do you want to throw out a couple of yours? Yeah, well, the the obvious one from me is Bad Boy um, yeah, from uh, 93QFM, Milwaukee uh, rock station I grew up with. Um, I have both of their hometown project, one from uh, 81, and then they put out a double album in 82. Uh, Bad Boy, of course, a lot of people, I don't know how many people know about Bad Boy. They they uh, they get connected to Cheap Trick because Zeno joined the band, who was the original vocalist in Cheap Trick, but he didn't join the band until late in their career, and all of their best stuff was done without Zeno. Um, the first three Bad Boy albums are great. Uh, yeah. And that was before Zeno joined. And those all came out before 81. But this song, uh, If You Love Me Tonight by Bad Boy, that's on the 93QFM Hometown Album Project, is not on any of their albums. And it's a great song. Yet they do have another song called, titled Very, Very Similar, right? Like, yeah, on the next, on the volume two, I think it's called uh, Stay With Me Tonight or something like that. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, I knew that there were, because there were a couple that I thought I got confused. So, yes. Solid songwriting, really great musicianship. Didn't one of those guys go on to be in the Guffs? 
up in Milwaukee? Maybe, maybe. I didn't like the guffs at all, but I mean, the main guy behind Bad Boy was Steve Grimm, right? Um, who did most of the songwriting and the, the vocals. And yeah, they were they those uh, the first two records were on a major label. I'm trying to remember what the label was. Might have been Polydor or something. The first record's called The Band That Made Milwaukee Famous, and the second right. one is Back to Back, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, those are really good late '70s uh, power pop. They're pretty much a power pop band. Um, they morphed into more of a hard rock band after Zeno joined, but on uh, the first three records, it's pretty much power pop. Uh, the, great. The, the third record, Private Practice, is great. Mm-hmm. Great too from '81. Great harmonies, really yeah. good songwriting, big hooks. Yeah, you can't go wrong with Bad Boy. Yeah, and then uh, off I got I chose two songs off of the uh, volume two of the '93 QFM album project, and uh, the first one of these 
um, by Gray Star. I love this song. I think it's so great. It's just a power pop song, pretty much, like Pearl Harbor or something. Uh, female vocals. Ruby Star was actually a touring vocalist with Black Oak, Arkansas in the Sweet. 70s. And somehow then she ends up on the local Milwaukee rock scene. Okay. Um, she had a few albums in the 70s and 80s under different names. And there is a Gray Star album that I don't have um, that I really need to get because this song is amazing. Oh, right. sorry, the, the Gray Star song is called You Don't Even Know.
And then Hello Pantheon Podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Now, also off of um, speaking of female vocals, the other song I picked off of the second 93QFM um, album is a, another band with female vocalists called Tomboy. Do you have this one, the two record set? Is that the gold, it's yellow vinyl, gold vinyl? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah it's a good one. Yeah, Tomboy, it could have been you. Uh, this is a really good song as well. Um, uh, pretty much power pop, I guess.
Uh, I grabbed a song called Anna by a band called The Daily Planet off the XLP 97X uh, compilation from 1981. And these guys did actually produce a record as well called No Time to Lose. Uh, really? They out. did? Okay. Yeah, the record came out in 82, and the song is actually on that record as well. It's buried. That's another whole topic is songs that are buried on side two. Uh, but yeah, it's a song called Anna, buried on the second side, second to last song. Uh, Greg King was the guitarist and vocalist for this band. Yeah, this is a Houston comp, and this is a great... I wrote down it's a hard rock song. I remember it's um, kind of new wavy as well, right? Or uh, keyboards, right? Yep, I think it had kind of a Nervous Eaters vibe to it. So uh-huh. yeah, garage, new wave, hard rock, yeah. Yeah, this is a really good song, I've, and I've written on it was the winning entry in the Big Music America contest for the Quad Cities region in 1981. <laughs> <laughs> we need some fanfare music. Da-da-da-da-da. Yeah, and it says the first XLP album sold over 1,000 copies. <laughs> wow, that today that would be a big number. Yeah, right. 1,000 copies or something. <laughs> yeah. It's nothing to laugh at. Yeah, this I like this tune. It's um, it, it's it's definitely got that that it sounds like 1981. I mean, if you put this on, you could hear this coming out of your speakers in whatever town you were in in 1981. Yeah, and that's a great band name too. I'm surprised there wasn't a band that made that made that gained more notoriety with that name because that's a great right. name. Yeah, for sure. Next, we go to WRNO Rock Volume 2 from 1982. Uh, this is a comp from, did you grab? What's yeah, it? New Similar, Orleans. New Orleans, Miller High Life, Rock to Riches. So they, they jumped on that bandwagon as well. Probably took some money from Miller to put the whole thing together. Uh, TDK sponsored this one as well. I think it sounds kind of like the Rich Kids or the Hollywood Stars. Uh, the band is called The Limits, and the song is called Modern Girl. 
Yeah, it's a cool hard rock song. I found a blog of somebody writing about this album or this the New Orleans scene back then, and then one guy uh, commented on there and said he used to manage the limits and um, <laughs> still knows the drummer or something like that. <laughs> so I could have emailed that, that guy and tried to you know get some more <laughs> detailed information about the limits, but um. Nah. <laughs> so. This is kind of cool. There's some inter- information on this. Um, more than 20,000 bands entered Miller High Life Rock to Riches contest. Uh, the prizes were 25,000 in Rams of Sound Equipment and most importantly, a record deal with Atlantic Records. So it would be interesting to find out who actually won that, yeah, that prize yeah. at some point. Yeah. Um, and there's a little bit of a, of a um, theme on some of these. They'll actually come up with a radio station theme song. So this one actually does have a song called Rock to the Rock, which is the WRNO theme song. So... Um, definitely fun stuff. I mean, obviously, none of this stuff is taken too seriously. Um, most of the time, like I said, the DJs had a hand in picking the winners, so it's all in good fun. Next is Could I Be Wrong by Chromazone. Uh, this is another Rock to Riches uh, KLOS. And KLOS is out of? Southern California. Yeah, Southern California. 95 and a half. Um, this is definitely power pop, a new wave to my ears. Sounds like the Jags or the Lambrettas. 
Yeah, great power pop song is what I have written down. Let's go to uh, QFM 96, Homegrown, uh, Volume 3. Uh, the song is called I Forgot Your Name, and the band is Rosie. Yeah, this is a band. This is the uh, ex-Gods guitarist, Mark Chatfield's band. Do you know the Gods? Sure, G-O-D-Z. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love the Gods. Mm-hmm. So I was familiar with, this is actually on their album Precious Metal, this song, too. This um, an actual recording of it? No, probably not this recording of it. Okay. But um, but yeah, I was familiar with this band. It looks like a metal album, but it's more of like a hard rock thing. <laughs> I have the the name Rosie was inspired, as Chatfield tells it, by the old tale of Rosie Palmer and her five sisters. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, these guys. Uh, so this set record was in. When did this record come out that this song is on? Eighty three. 
Okay. Uh, sorry about that. No, that's a lie. Uh, th- there's no date on this one. All right. Yeah, this is a Columbus, Ohio thing, and um, they had an EP in 81, and then their album Precious Metal, I think, must have been 82. Uh, really good song. Uh, not not a metal song. Mm-mm. Even though the, when you see the, their album, and it's called Precious Metal, and when you see it, you think they're a metal band. But um, Right. Sorry, I forgot your name. <laughs> and I can imagine, you know, what he's talking about. Indeed. Since it's related to the gods. <laughs> yeah. Next up, Q107 Homegrown Volume 5. Uh, this is a Canadian comp. Um, uh, the song is called Don't Run, and it's by a band called The Voices. So what's kind of cool about this record is it's got a song on it called New Girl Now by Honeymoon Suite. They obviously went on to get a major label deal. This is a different mix of it, a different mastering, so it's uh, a different recording. Um, this, to me, sounds a lot like The Vapors, the song the, by The Voices, and just kind of good power pop. Yeah, I wrote down pretty good power poppy new wavy song. <laughs> and yeah, it's on Attic Records. <laughs> Why did you just put ditto for Yeah, right. <laughs> Attic Records is a great Canadian label that put out a lot of cool stuff. Anvil um, was on Attic. Yeah. And then they had an offshoot label, Basement Records, which I guess is the opposite of an Attic. And uh, that's the label that that Numbers Add Up album is on. Right. Um, yeah, but I, I saw that Honeymoon Suite, New Girl, and that was the first song on this record. Yep, Reckless is on this too. They they had a, a major label release as well. Right.
Now you're starting to see, like in this one, the, the production is considerably better. These weren't demo tapes that were thrown in. These were people that were either considered for actual releases, were going to be getting deals, had deals. The recording, I think, quality on this one was probably one of the better ones. Well, yeah, and also unusual that I, I guess Attic Records wasn't a major label, but well, maybe it even was. But it's a bigger, much bigger, bigger label, for sure, an actual record label, whereas most of these wouldn't have been on record labels per exactly. se. So exactly. Uh, Twin Cities, so Minnesota's Best Rock, WKQRS92, presents Twin Cities Beat, Minnesota's Best Rock. Uh, this is a song called Edge of the Night by Johnny Ray and the Reaction.
This is probably my favorite song of really? the ones that you uploaded. Yeah. Interesting. Definitely one of them. I, I think this is a great power pop song. Yeah, um, this is I from 82. Uh, I think it sounds like the Plimsolls or Off-Broadway. Yeah, and Johnny Ray was in a band called Flamingo in the 70s, and that band turned into the Flamin' O's, which okay. you're probably familiar with them. I have two records by them. Um, yeah, I can't quite land on, on – I've got both of those records. Neither one of them really uh, resonated with me. No, oh. they're not great. Uh, okay. you're hope, you would hope they're power pop, but there's not, they're more – well, they're not very well produced, for one thing. Right. Um, and uh, I guess too much keyboards, not yeah. really tight songs. Um, Johnny Ray, I don't think was – he wasn't involved at all when they became the Flame and O's. He was in like the earlier version of the band. Gotcha. Definitely, this song is way better than anything on the Flame and O's records. So. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Boston Rock and Roll Anthology, volume number five, obviously from Boston. Uh, this is a band called Free Will, uh, and the song is called Only Know So Much from Yeah, this is a, I wrote down, it's a really good hard rock slash AOR song, very poppy. The kind of gritty guitars, and uh, but kind of a poppy chorus. And um, then following that up on that same comp, there's a band called Viper, and the song is called I'm In Love With Your Pants. Yeah, actually, um, on the computer upstairs, if I've been listening to stuff in iTunes, sometimes um, if you just hit the space bar, whatever the last song it was, we'll start, just start playing. Uh-huh. So my wife was subjected to this song <laughs> last week. Uh, like she sat down, or I don't know, she hit the hit the space bar, and this just started playing. But she said she liked it. She's like, I heard that, I heard that I'm love with in love with their bad song. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's hysterical. Yeah.
Yeah, Viper, I'm in love with your pants. Uh, Chelsea, Mass. I, I wrote down there from Chelsea, Massachusetts. I found a, a blog talking about these guys too. Okay. Um, it's kind of. I wrote down. It's kind of a garagey song. Mm-hmm. Um, and what it looks like these Boston anthologies were mostly metal bands. Okay. But this isn't. You know, you think Viper. <laughs> they sound like a metal band, but it's not really metal at all. Not to be confused with V-Y-P-E-R. Right. That is a metal band. Yeah, that is. I have that record. There was a band called The Vipers that were a garage, like a New York right. garage band. Yeah. Yeah, this one's had a little bit of a prism sound to me. Um, obviously up-tempo. But good stuff. All right. Let's go to Vancouver. Vancouver Kicks. This is a comp. Now, this one's maybe cheating a little bit because this is W. CKXY 10:40 a.m. Vancouver, and the songs from this album are pretty stellar, in my opinion. Uh, "Freedom in the Name of Love" by Ben Hur. To me, this is the best-sounding song out of everything that we're going to play today. So, this is your favorite of these? I don't know if it's my favorite, but as far as production, songwriting, yeah. um, quality, this is from 1988, so it's five years newer than the other um, newest one. And this, so you've got five years better production. I can't imagine the song wasn't a hit. So the Vancouver Kicks record actually has Wea on it. So I don't know if it was distributed by Wea or if these were bands that were potentially going to be signed. Out of the research that I found, I didn't find anything else on Ben Hur, but it's a name that's hard to search because of the other, um, yeah, the other movie and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, I think that if if uh, Michael Bolton had released the song, it would have been a hit, or if Mitch Malloy had released the song, it would have been a hit. I mean, I think it's just I think it's that good of a song. Yeah, it's a really good AOR hard rock mm-hmm. song. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, great good, pre-chorus good production. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like 
And then the other one off of that same record, uh, An- yep. Angie M. Yeah, so another female singer, right? Yeah. Shaking Down the Walls, again, from 1988 on Vancouver Kicks. Um, I This, to me, sounds like it should be on a soundtrack to a, a record from the 80s. Yeah, and you probably know I love <laughs> soundtracks from the 80s. Exactly. So yeah, right yeah, up so, my alley. Yeah, John Parr, Robert Tepper, uh, of course, with a female vocal, but I could have seen this, you know, as a theme song in the Fight Fire with Fire movie, other than the fact that there's a great theme song called Fight Fire with Fire. <laughs> yeah, this is a good new wavy song with a really good chorus. Yeah, great, great hook in the chorus. Yeah.
cool. So Raven waiting on yes. you. Waiting for you, yeah. KFM Live 1980. So this is one of those ones that was recorded live. Uh, it's KWFM on the air. And this is out of Tucson. Yeah, so KWFM on the air from Tucson. I thought this had kind of a power pop vibe. A little bit sounded like Pez Band to me. Yeah, it's funny with the name Raven. Um, exactly. My brain goes right to metal, just, but Which, just because of the band, the other band, Raven, I guess. But uh, little shout out to my eight-year-old son, whose favorite three bands right now are Raven, Manowar, and Wasp. <laughs> well, there you go. Go figure. <laughs> yeah. Once he learned that Raven was speed metal, he was all about them. <laughs> yeah. Well, they were great. Yeah. So this is a good song. Very solid. Um, Up tempo.
All right, I hope you enjoyed that episode of songs from radio station compilations. All of those songs were from these radio station compilations that came out mostly in the early 80s. The vast majority of those songs were from Chris's personal collection, a few of them from mine, but most of them from Chris's collection. I'll definitely be having Chris Gray back on the show in the future. We're going to do an episode of songs just from various artist compilations, and who knows what else we'll do in the future, but please check out Chris's website, cheapkissrecords.com. He has a lot of great vinyl for sale there, and I want to thank Chris a lot for not only for joining me on the podcast, but for sharing his awesome collection of radio station compilations with us today. I hope you enjoyed that, and now to play us out. What does that mean, to play us out? I don't know what that means, to play us out. What does that mean? To end the show? Yeah. I'm going to leave you with one last song that Chris selected for this episode by a band called American Noise, a song called Out on the Street. This is from a compilation that came out in 1980, released by Cleveland radio station WMMS. The record was called The Pride of Cleveland. This is American Noise with Out on the Street. Till next time.
I'll be back. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.